everyone. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. I'm your guest host today, Dave Meyer, and me and my friends from the On the Market podcast are taking over the Bigger Pockets feed. Woo-hoo! Yeah, this is going to be very fun. So we are here taking over the Bigger Pockets feed to give you a little taste of what we do on the On the Market podcast, where we focus on real estate, just like this show, but more on the economics, more on current market conditions. And our whole goal is to provide you, the investor, with data and information and news to make informed decisions based on what is going on in the market today. So what strategies are working best, what markets are seeing the best conditions, that type of information. Today, we're going to get into all that. We're going to start with a recap of the first half of 2023 and talk about what's been going on in the economy and the housing market for the first six months of 2023. And then I'm going to force our panelists against their will to make predictions, even though that's very difficult, about what's going to happen at the second half of the year. And don't hold us to these predictions, but we will, I promise we'll have a good conversation about what might happen over the rest of this year. And then we're going to go into a conversation about different markets across the U.S., If you know anything about the housing market right now, you know that certain markets are doing really well, certain ones are doing poorly, and we're going to break this down for you to help you understand which markets are going in which direction, which ones work with what kinds of strategies, so that you can adapt your strategy to the right market conditions. So that's what we got for you today. It's going to be an awesome show. If you've not listened to the On The Market podcast before, we are a guest panel type of show. So I'm joined by three co-hosts. I've got Kathy Fecky with me. Kathy, how are you? Great. Can you introduce yourself to everyone listening? Sure. It's Kathy Fetke. You probably don't know Fetke, I think, means little fatty in German. But anyway. I did not know that. (laughs) How have we done 100 shows together? You've just told me that for the first time. You just have to know German, I guess. You're just dropping bombs like this right out the gate. Right there. All right. Well, now everyone's going to remember you. Yeah. Never forget that name. Uh, And I am a co-founder of Real Wealth, where we've been helping investors buy investment property nationwide for almost well, actually, 20 years this is our 20 year anniversary. And uh, of course, I'm a bigger pockets, huge fan. And uh, that's just super happy to be here. Nice. We also got James Daynard. James, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be back on the Bigger Pockets main channel. And for people who haven't listened to the episodes you've been on so far, tell us a little bit about your investing experience. Um, so I'm a full-time investor out of Seattle, Washington. We've been investing since 2005, very active, uh, fix and flip operators, developers, multifamily buyers. But we are backyard investors in Seattle. Um, very active, addicted to the deal guys, deal junkies up there. Awesome. Well, Thanks for joining us. And then Henry, I know you're on this show a lot, but we also got Henry Washington. Can you give us a little intro? What's up, guys? Yes, I'm Henry Washington, and Henry actually is German for large fatty. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, just 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 magic. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm a real estate investor. I'm based out in Northwest Arkansas. I've been doing this since about 2017. Got about 100 rental properties. We focus mainly on single families and small multifamilies. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And my name is Dave Meyer. I host this show with David as a guest host every once in a while. But if you don't know me, I work full time at Bigger Pockets. I'm the vice president of data and analytics. I also host the On the Market show with these fine people. And I've also been investing in real estate for 13 years or so. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. So first up for the show today, we're going to recap what's been going on in the housing market for the first half of the year. And to me, the biggest story is that housing prices have corrected a bit, but despite a lot of news and media attention to a potential crash, they have definitely not crashed. It depends on who you ask. There's a lot of different data sources. You know, you can look at the case Shiller or Redfin or Zillow, but most of them agree that housing prices are down year over year, somewhere between one and 3%. We were all talking earlier and saw that the median home price in the U.S. dropped from 449,000 to 441,000. So 
it hasn't been a huge adjustment. And honestly, this is a bit of surprise to some people who thought with rising interest rates, we would see a big correction or potentially even a crash. I'm curious, Henry, what are you seeing in your market? Are you seeing this correction type environment or something else? Yeah, Dave, I'm actually seeing the exact opposite. When I look at housing prices over the last uh, six months in Northwest Arkansas, we've actually been seeing an increase to the tune of ten to $15,000 monthly. And so the, the, the opposite is true here. Yeah, that, that's that's super interesting. Why Why do you think that's going on? Is there anything particular about your market that you think is unique? Yeah, I think one of the most unique things about my market is the corporations that are here. So the economy is based around about three or four major corporations who happen to be pretty recession-proof corporations, and they're actually butts and seats corporations as well. So they're requiring everybody who works for the company to relocate back to the area. And so there has been this trickle of people moving back here, plus they're continuing to hire through this. So we've got new people moving, and that is increasing demand. And that demand is really increasing in that uh, mid-tier home to that luxury home price because you have high uh, you have high salaried individuals who are coming and they don't want a starter home. They want something a little nicer. I think, you know, I'm sure you're seeing this in your market, Henry, but the, to me, the major reason that we're not seeing housing prices crash and they're more in a correction mode is because of low inventory. Uh, we talk about this a lot, but there's just not a lot of markets for, you know, there's not a lot of homes for sale. We actually saw the most recent data in May say that inventory was actually down, which is the opposite of what normally happens. Usually when interest rates go up, there are less buyers and there's more houses just sitting on the market. So there's higher inventory, but we're seeing the opposite of what normally happens. Kathy, do you have any thoughts on why that might be? So many thoughts. <laughs> Lay them on us. <laughs> it's really shocking to a lot of people who thought that inventory would absolutely spike when interest rates went up last year. But when you really look at the bigger picture and go back, say, uh, almost 18 years to 2005, there was about 4 million homes on the market. Fast forward to 2015, about 1.2 million. It's been, it's been on a decline for a really long time. But in 2020, wow, inventory just tanked. Obviously people weren't excited about putting their homes on the market during a pandemic, but then it really hit bottom in 2022. Oh my goodness. It was 240,000 homes in inventory. And that is an all time low. Now we've gone up since then. Once, uh, rates went up, inventory levels have gone up as well, but still, historically low. And and what we just saw towards the end of of June was that active again, context is everything because numbers don't mean too much unless you know what to compare it to. And uh in 2022 active listings grew by 30,000 at the end of June. In 2023, this is just last week, uh active listings grew by only 5,848. So why, you know, what is going on? It has so much to do with the lock-in effect when interest rates are now close to 7%, at least while we're recording this show, that keeps people in their homes. But markets move when people exchange things, right? When people sell and buy and all that. But if if you have a huge group of people who just are not willing to sell because they're not going to find another house that makes sense at 7% when they're in a 2 3 or 4% rate and probably a much lower uh, price 
because many people bought homes a while ago, not just last year. So when there's people not selling, that's also people not buying because people who sell usually buy. Uh, you know, they still need a place to live. So it's just locked. It's just the housing market is locked. And if interest rates come down, we'll see that loosen up. But in the meantime, we're not there yet. Yeah, it's it's been, I think, probably the biggest thing that's impacting the housing market right now is just this low inventory that no one seems to want to sell. And that is sort of creating, it seems like we're getting back to the point where we were last year, where there is a lot of competition for homes. Like you were, I was expecting things to be sitting on the market at this time of the year, but I just saw something that days on market, which is a really good measure of the balance between supply and demand, had been going back up, like sort of as you would expect, given these economic conditions. But then they peaked at 27 days, which may sound like a lot, but would be low during a normal time and have come back down to 14 days. That means the average house right now, even with higher interest rates across the whole country, is sitting on the market for just two weeks, which is incredibly low in historical context. James, I'm curious, are you seeing these levels of competition? Because if you don't know, James invests in Seattle, which has seen one of the bigger corrections in the country, relatively speaking. I'm curious if you're also seeing sort of an uptick in competition. Yeah, I mean, 12 months ago, it was looking pretty hairy. Uh, the market was dropping rapidly. We saw like a 15 to 20% drop off peak. And, and days on market skyrocketed from under to eight to it went up to 42 days um, in January. And what we've seen is this in the last six months or last seven months, days on market have dropped down to eight days in the Seattle market. <laughs> and that's a huge change in turnaround. Um, and we are definitely seeing it. We're selling, you know, we sold almost every property that we are listing right now, we are selling in the first five days. And it, unless it's in that really upper echelon pricing and the consumption rates there, the buyers are there. And, you know, to Kathy's point, I didn't think the lock-in effect was going to be that impactful, but it is a real thing. There is nothing for sale. And this stuff, honestly, if it's remodel product, I think the day mo days on market would be even less than eight days. The, the, it's like this weird junks in the market that's actually bringing that eight days up. It, it, it's <laughs> all the way up to eight days. Yeah. Yeah. It's outrageous. Right. Uh, but I mean, things are, there's not enough product for people to buy. That is the, at the underlying, uh, factor right now, but we are definitely seeing a turnaround in our Seattle market. So there you have it. I think those are, you know, some of the major stories for the first half of the year in the housing market. Prices are coming down a little bit, uh, year over year, uh, but they have not crashed. Inventory is incredibly low, which is contributing to why prices are doing what they're doing. And competition is heating back up. On sort of a macroeconomic level, I'll just say that obviously you're probably aware of this, but interest rates, the Federal Reserve had hiked rates three different times. We're now at a federal funds rate above 5%. And that has pushed mortgage rates up as of this recording, like Kathy said, to the low sevens. And as of right now, the economy is still growing. We only have GDP numbers back from Q1, but it did grow 1.1%, which is not super exciting growth, but um, it did grow. And there's something actually called GDP Now, which helps you estimate what GDP is in real time. And it's predicting 1.9% for Q2. Um, so we are expecting to not be in a recession, at least at this point of the year. So... Now that we've recapped what's going on, it's time for you guys to do some predictions. It's our prediction addiction game because everyone loves listening to people make predictions. And we're going to see how good you all are at it. 
Our first question is mortgage rates. We're sitting right around 7% here in the beginning of July. Where will they be by the end of 2023? Think about the new year and we're heading into 2024. Where are mortgage rates going to be? James, start with you. You know, I think they're going to end about six and a half percent, which is higher than I thought at the beginning of the year. Okay. Um, I'm not seeing the rates slide as much as I thought they would be at today. All right, Kathy. I am swinging out there with 5.9%. Maybe it's, maybe it's wishful thinking, but we have seen inflation trend down. And I, I think by the end of the year, it will be trending much further down. Fingers crossed. All right. And I, 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 I like your optimism. Henry? <laughs> Yeah, I am not as optimistic, um, not because that's what the data is saying, just because the Fed has said they're going to continue to raise rates until inflation gets under control. They have indicated that they might do two more rate hikes, and I'm going to take them seriously because they've done everything they said they were going to do thus far. So I'm at 775, seven and three quarters. I'm with Henry. I, I, I'm in the higher for longer camp now. They've said they're going to keep them higher for longer, and I don't have any reason to believe uh, them. So I think it's going to be mine's I'm saying 7.5. So Henry and I are close here, but we'll, we'll have to, uh, steal this show again and at the end of the year and see who's right. Okay. So we got a pretty widespread there. That was more, that was, there was more variance between the four of us than I thought there was going to be. <laughs> All right. How about year over year housing prices? Just as a recap right now, we are at about negative one, somewhere between negative one and negative three, depending on who you ask year over year housing prices. Henry, start with you. What do you think? My gut tells me, I think we're going to continue on the same path. So I think we're going to stay flat, maybe come down 1% if that, I don't think it's going to come down much at all. All right. Kathy, are you going to be optimist again? I am. I do actually think that we're going to see year-over-year prices increase, but ever so slightly. I'm going to just go with 1% for fun, but I actually think it'll be higher than that. If indeed my prediction of mortgage rates comes down, then we would see more people coming in the market and bidding. They're already bidding right now. There's bidding wars again, guys. It's crazy, even at 7% rates. James, what do you think? I actually think we're going to have some with the trends that are going on right now. And I mean, the fact that we're having multiple offers with a 7% rate. um, And if rates do come down to six and a half, like I think uh, I'm actually predicting about 5% growth. Okay. You think we're going to stay on this trajectory? Okay. This is bizarre world to me, but I'm just going to go with the bizarre. Well, I was thinking earlier today that I was going to revise my forecast, but about a year, not, not a year ago, like in, September 2022, I said I thought in 2023, the housing market would go down three to eight percent. And I'm just going to stick with it. There's so much confusing data. I'm just going to stick to my guns and say, I still think the housing market is going to decline slightly on a national level by the end of the year. All right. For our last prediction, it is GDP growth. If you guys don't know what this means, it's just gross domestic product. That is basically the aggregate sum of all of the economic production of the entire country, and you want it to go up normally. And if it's down for two consecutive quarters, that is what many people believe to be a recession. So I'm curious because I want to know if you think we're going to be in a recession, basically, where you think GDP growth will be. Kathy, the optimist, what do you got? (laughs) Well, I think uh, the first quarter was like 2% or something. And it was very shocking that the economy was growing in spite of all the efforts of the Fed to kill it. So I'm going with 1.2% as an annual, you know, as the GDP of the year of 2023. So I think it'll be no recession, in other words. Okay. 
And I, I just want to clarify that when we're talking about GDP, I'm talking about quote unquote real GDP, which accounts for inflation. So we are saying that the economy will grow even in excess of the inflation that's going on. Henry, what do you got? I'm, I'm similar to Kathy again, and similar to my last. I think we're going to be flat or up about 1%. If you look at the factors feeding into GDP, you've got the jobs report came out. That looks great as far as there's more jobs available. The consumer uh, consumers are comfortable and are spending money. And I just think that that is saying that the economy is strong and it'll go up a little bit. James, you're going to dissent. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm actually in the herd on this one. I I think there's no recession, but minimum growth at one percent. I just I think people are still consuming right now. It is slowing down. You know, I just think people have a tough time turning off the faucet right now. They all turn on the faucet during COVID. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to buy everything. And then, you know, a, a smart guy told me one time, he's like, don't ever turn that faucet on because it's really hard to turn it off. Keep yeah. control of your expenses. And I, I feel like America's having a problem turning it off right now. I love how James is telling us not to turn the faucet on while he's recording on his yacht. And that is literally <laughs> what he's doing. That is, not a, that is not an exaggeration. He's literally sitting on his yacht telling us not to turn the faucet on. You know what? Last yacht, I turned a profit on, Dave. Okay. <laughs> After three years, I sold it for more than I bought it for. So That's I, pretty I, good. I will flip anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, I'm with you guys. I think, you know, I think it's a little early to say there won't be a recession, but I think if it's going to happen, it's probably not going to happen in 2023. Um, we had a, a pretty famous economist named Mark Zandi on the, on the market show a couple of months ago. And he, he coined this term, the slow session, where it's basically like we never actually see that negative GDP growth, but it's like this anemic, really slow growth that we're technically not in a recession, but like a lot of people, some people at least will be feeling um, like we are in a recession. And as of right now, it does sort of feel like that. So so I'm sticking with that. All right. So those are our predictions. Uh, please don't hold us to them. These are uh, for <laughs> entertainment purposes only. No, I, I do think it's really helpful to just at least talk through why we think these different things are going to happen. Obviously, we're all just making our most informed, educated guesses, and we'll just have to see what happens in this very confusing economy. I mean, educated guesses, but the jobs report was 497,000 new jobs, double what was expected. Doesn't sound like a recession. Yeah, it, it's wild. Like if there's going to be a job loss recession, like it's going to be a while. Like we're seeing it go in the opposite direction. It would take, in my mind, quite a while for the unemployment rate to to get up to, you know, even 4% at this point. It's going to take at least several months um, and 4% is still relatively low unemployment. Yeah. Passive income without the property headache, it's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. 
Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? With Fundrise, America's largest direct-to-investor alternative asset manager, you have the opportunity to. Fundrise's new opportunistic private credit strategy was designed specifically for this new market environment. Fundrise supplies high-demand bridge financing on high-quality assets with credit-worthy borrowers. Top real estate investors get the funding they need while you walk away getting paid a healthy interest rate. To date, Fundrise has completed more than $500 million worth of private credit deals with an average net interest of 10.8%, and they've already amassed a pipeline worth more than $300 million. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can take advantage of this unique window of opportunity while it lasts with Fundrise's new private credit strategy. Ready to start? Go to Fundrise.com pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. All right, we're going to move on to our next part of the show where we're going to be discussing different markets. So in preparation for this, I did some analysis over the last few days to just sort of help everyone understand what is going on in the housing market because the stuff we were talking about earlier is all national level statistics. These are aggregations about what's going on with days on market inventory. But the reality on the ground is very different depending on what market you're going, you're in. So I looked at um, the top 137 markets just because those are the ones I felt had like enough data for us to make some inferences about it. And 41% of them declined over the last year and 59% 
went up. So there's like a real break in the country right now where not it's not exactly 50-50, but you know, there's a sizable portion that are going in one direction and a sizable portion that are going in the other direction. And the spread between them is is honestly crazy. So the the worst performing market over the last year, I'll I'll actually give you guys a guess. Anyone got a guess? Last worst single worst over the last year. San Francisco. Boise. Henry? Mm, yeah, yeah. It's either, it's either, I would say Boise or, I mean, Seattle's been rebounding, but that would have been my guess. All right. Boise was second worst out of the top 137 largest. Austin, Texas was the worst ah. with 15% decline in sale price in, in Austin, which is very significant. Boise was the second worst with 14% and Oakland came in there. But San Francisco, Sacramento, Phoenix, Vegas, those are all up there. A lot of West Coast cities. And Seattle came off. We were like number five for a second. Yeah, Seattle is doing a little bit better now, but it's still definitely... Uh, yeah, Denver's moved up a little bit, but they're still not not doing the best. They're still negative. But on the other side of the, the equation, we have Fayetteville, North Carolina is up 16 percent. Wow. So the spread between the worst and the best market is 30 percent right now. This is why it's so important to understand what's going on in your local market and listen to shows like On the Market, where we tell you all about this kind of stuff. So because of this spread and we have this like really dramatic difference between markets. I asked each of our panelists to give us an under the radar market that they want to share with the rest of you. And so we all know what's going on. I mean, I, a lot of us know, like it was pretty easy for them to guess what's going on in big cities like Austin and a lot of the pandemic darlings like Boise and Reno are sort of having the big retractions. Whereas a lot of the, you know, the Southeast is sort of known to be going up right now. But we want to provide you with markets that you don't know about. Maybe you've never even heard of these places um, that you can look into for your own investing. Or it's also useful to just go look at what are some of the underlying factors that are driving the behavior and the conditions in this market and see if they relate to the places that you invest, because that could really help you understand what direction your market might be going. So, Kathy, I'm going to start with you. What market are you bringing to us? There's no chance anyone's heard about this market. <laughs> very, All right. Very much doubt it. Uh, are you ready? Thackerville, Oklahoma. This what? is my, yes. Is that a place? <laughs> <laughs> no offense to anyone from Thackerville, but I've never heard of that, that city. Is it a city? A town? It is uh, just over the border from Texas. So much growth is spreading out, um, out north of Dallas. Uh, it, the core is getting expensive. DFW is getting expensive. So businesses are, are moving out. And so are people to more, to more affordable places. And, uh, one of the areas that has grown so much is Gainesville, Texas, where home prices were actually up 10% year over year. Uh, median, median price is 305,000. And Thackerville is just over the border, 12 miles. So a lot of people will live in Oklahoma and commute to their jobs in Texas because in Oklahoma, the property taxes are much lower. They're 0.85 versus 
double, triple, or even quadruple that if you just go over the border into Texas. Uh, and home prices are lower. The problem is there's no inventory. <laughs> there's hardly anything there. I think there's 16 homes on the market. Uh, so we're actually starting a build to rent fund there and building some new supply just over the border in Oklahoma to capture those lower prices, lower building costs, lower, uh, you know, taxes and, and, uh, and yet rents are pretty high because it's Texas money going there. So anyway, that's my little hack. I, for 20 years, 25 years now have been searching where the puck is going, so to speak. Once you've already heard about an area that's growing, it's probably too late. So I, I just like to see where the jobs are going, where population is growing, and and get right outside of that, right in front of the path of progress is my favorite. So that, that's, that's a great lesson, Kathy. And just for everyone listening, why did you pick this particular town, first of all? And of all the places where Dallas can expand, right? It's, you know, yeah. Texas is a pretty big place. Like why this direction? What, what about it do you think is, is so compelling? Well, uh, Dallas is growing in all directions. <laughs> so, and, and like many places, the urban core has become very expensive and, it, and it's become, there's higher regulation. Whereas when you get out into the suburbs, you know, you can get more work done and your employees can live cheaper. So businesses move there. But that particular area, we've just seen so much growth with businesses moving north that uh, we think that the next frontier is just over the border in Oklahoma. So that's why there's also a casino, Windstar Casino with 3,500 oh, employees. In okay. <laughs> and those employees have no place to live. So they're actually living in Texas. Oh. If there's housing near them, they're going to be stoked about that, not have to make that commute and it'll be cheaper. Um, you also have distribution centers for Walmart, Liberty Energy, um, Lowe's. It's, it's, uh, again, lots of growth, lots of space to grow hmm. and for companies to come in and, and, uh, you know, be able to have a cheap headquarters or industrial space or warehouse space, uh, and still have a massive metro nearby. I like it. I mean, I think I, Henry, I think I owe you an apology because I used to think that where you invest is obscure, but <laughs> back in the middle, Oklahoma might, might beat you on the obscurity index there. <laughs> but that's what we asked for. So, Kathy, A plus on the assignment. This was great. <laughs> well, let's just, with that, let's, let's move on to Henry. Tell us about what under the radar market you want to talk about. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, guys, you know, I'm going to talk about my backyard. I do. I invest here. I'm talking about Northwest Arkansas. So this is a small, I call it a little bubble up here in the northwest corner of Arkansas. So we're about three and a half hours northwest of Little Rock. So we're sitting right on the border of Missouri and um, Oklahoma. And this area, for several reasons, makes it a phenomenal real estate market. So to talk about some of the economics, we have very large corporations here, recession-proof corporations like Tyson Foods, uh, J.B. Hunt Transportation, and then Walmart all headquartered right here in Northwest Arkansas. And so these are companies that are going to do well if we do go into a recession. Um, you always need a, you need, Walmart is the place people shop when money gets tight and you have to get stuff to places. So transportation is always going to be a thing and everybody eats chicken, right? <laughs> so you've got just these recession proof companies, but the, the, the key there is these companies are butts and seats companies. They want people living 
in the community where these companies are headquartered. And so people have been moving here at a, at a crazy alarming rate. I think the last statistic I saw was about 35 to 38 people per day wow. moved to Northwest, Northwest Arkansas. And so what that does from a real estate perspective is it creates the things that you want as an investor. You get cash flow and depreciation, right? You get cash flow because we're still Arkansas. So you can buy uh, on the lower end of the, the housing uh, price scale, but you can rent on the higher end because you've got people who have uh, large salaries that are moving here. Some don't want to buy a home here, so they're renting. And so rent prices are high. You can buy low and then inventory so low. So if you're going to turn properties or flip properties, you're able to capture pretty good profits doing that. We're getting multiple offers. But to give you some of the some of the numbers from uh, the real estate perspective, we have about 1,500 homes on the market right now. We would need to be at about 5,000 homes and uh, 5,000 active listings for our market to be considered a buyer's market. Wow. Uh, the average days on market seems high at 94 days, uh, but we would need to be at 120 days. But if you look at the median days on market, the median days on market is 56. So that means between when a house is listed and then when it goes under contract, it's typically about 21 days. And so it's pretty quick. Now, things that are rehabbed and are rehabbed well are trading a lot faster. Things that are crap are trading a little slower, but that's just a sign of a healthy market. That's what should be happening. Um, our rent vacancy across Northwest Arkansas, 1.5%. So there's demand for anything that's available to live in. If you have a rental and it looks halfway decent, somebody's going to be living in it. And we're at about, uh, for an apartment, Average rent is $1,000, but that's an apartment. If you're looking at single-family homes or duplexes and things like that, uh, average rent somewhere between twelve and 1500 So it is a, it is a, you know, I call it a real estate investing unicorn. There's just, there's great economics. There's affordability. You get appreciation. You get cash flow. And, I, and we have just been seeing an increase in buyers entering the market, an increase in days on market or decrease in days on market. It's just been, it's been, it's not done what a lot of these markets seem to be doing across the country. Wow. It's, it's unbelievable. Every time you, every time you talk about it, I want to fly over there and check it out for myself. Mm. <laughs> All right, let's move on to James. What market are you bringing? You can't say Seattle because that is definitely not under the radar. <laughs> no, it's definitely not under the radar. I'm so impressed with Kathy's pick though, because I just, the population is 440 people in this town. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I like her. I like her approach, though, because it's like, oh, the the population grew by twenty percent. It's like, okay, <laughs> it's like, but it's it's got upside in here. One family moved in twenty percent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I actually picked a place, and it kind of caught me off guard when I was researching this. Was uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, title town. Yeah, it's uh the reason I picked Green Bay is because it was ranked on numerous places the number one uh place uh best place to live in the US and that's what they're pre uh predicting for the next year. And one thing that I've kind of realized the pandemic has changed everybody's mindset so much is they just want to live where they want to live and be comfortable. And what it kind of did is it took Americans off this grind mentality that we had before where it was like, go, 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 go. And people have realized they just want to live in a nice place that's affordable. Um, and, and so I do think that's a that's a big factor in my decision. Um Right now, the median home prices are still up 9% year over year. So it's, it's constantly growing. The average home sells for 5 to 11% over list 
right now. Wow. Um, and the 11% is more like those hot homes that are renovated, and the ones that are more kind of duds are still selling for 5% over list. The sale to list is at 105% right now. Um, I, I like the affordability of the market. One thing I've, I've learned is, you know, when the, when rates started skyrocketing, I actually thought the more affordable markets were going to have more issues because it was going to really affect the bottom line. But it, it's been doing the opposite uh, for the last six months. And the, the median home price is 240000 And so it's, it's a cheap, affordable place. It's a great place to live besides the weather. That's why it caught me off guard. That, that cold, cold weather would be my, my only hangback. And one sneakered stat is it's a huge cheese industry and the average price of cheese is 32% higher on a five-year <laughs> average. So the cheese... Did you just go and look up cheese futures or something? I, I did because I was struggling to find the economy in there. And it was, I was like, well, I know they like cheese and I know they produce a lot of cheese. And I do think we're in the shift of globalization slowing down and we're going to be buying a lot of stuff in, uh, you know, hopefully we're buying a lot more American-made products in, in it, in, and that's what the trend could be and cheese could be a factor in that. But I mean, I'm coming back to it. It's affordable it's a quality place to live and i do think some of these metro cities milwaukee chicago the livability has kind of dropped a little bit and people just want a simpler easier lifestyle and there's a lot of migration from those two metro cities going up that way and we've seen that across the board in all these markets is like the metro cities people are kind of getting a little bit away from them right now it's almost kind of like the 80s where people are starting to leave the metro and they want to be more in the suburbs they want peaceful living and and that's kind of why i'm basing my prediction on that uh, but it's it's currently growing. It's growing in number one livable place to live, wow. except for for me, because I want I want no seasons. I like sun only. Yeah. Well, I think we've hit the peak of this show now that we're talking about cheese pricing on it. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very pleased. This is how this has evolved. <laughs> well, it is great. And James, I do want to I do want to uh, call this out because I, I agree. And sort of one of my investing theses is that affordable cities are really going to pave the way for the next couple of years. But I think it's important because people ask me all the time, they're like, oh, this so-and-so city, it's really affordable. You can't just buy anything just because it's affordable. Like there has to be a draw to that area. So like when Henry's saying it's affordable, but there's a like a huge economic engine, uh, James is saying, yeah, maybe cheese prices are going up, but also <laughs> <laughs> that it's a really high quality of life place to live that's going to attract people. So I do think there is some logic that affordability is going to drive some future housing market trends, but obviously you need to make sure whether it's economic, quality of life, weather, taxes, you know, something that that is going to draw people to the city because at the end of the day, it all comes down to supply and demand and you need to be able to measure where demand is coming from. Well, remember, Thackerville has a casino. Okay. <laughs> Thackerville it is. I feel like we should go on like a road show and go to all these places. <laughs> right. I want to see Thackerville. We'll double the population. Well, just that's if, right. If the four of us show up. Well, thank you all for bringing these under the radar markets. Some of them, Kathy, a little bit more under the radar than other, but this is really helpful. And hopefully it's helpful to all of you in trying to understand how you can find your own markets. You don't obviously need to invest in these three markets, but I think the the logic and reasoning and research you did is really applicable to really anyone who wants to invest in real estate. 
That is our show. I do want to thank David Green and Rob for allowing us to take over the show. Hopefully you like this. If you do, pop over to the On The Market podcast. You can just find it on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, We come out every week on both Mondays and Fridays and bring this type of data news focused information for real estate investors. So come check us out there. If you want to connect with the fine investors and hosts on this show, I will help you do that. Henry, where can people connect with you? Yeah, Dave, thanks. The best place to catch me is on Instagram. I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram. Also the same on threads now, because that's a thing. So check me out on Instagram or threads, or you can check out my website at henrywashington.com. James, where can people connect with you? Uh, best way to connect with me is probably on Instagram at jdaneflips uh, or jamesdaner.com. And uh, I just found out about threads, so I'll try to figure that whole out <laughs> so james will be on it in two or three years given his pace of technological adoption that's about right <laughs> okay and kathy what about you you can find me at realwealth.com or instagram kathy fetke and remember what that means <laughs> <laughs> and i am at the data deli on instagram or you can always find me on bigger pockets thank you so much for listening hopefully we'll see you next time on the on the market feed There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.